0: Welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans, with four-season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. So for a light-hearted take on Bristol's progress on and off the pitch this season, stay tuned. In this week's show, we discuss the arrival of the Flying Fiji in Siva Nuago, joining us from Rugby League and discuss the elevation of Kepon, Powell and Dunn from the Academy to Senior Contracts. We'll also give our thoughts on Steve Lansdowne's open letter in support of the salary cap and marquee players. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined on the phone by Lee and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, boys, nice to have you on the line again. And um, nice to be back. It, uh, you know, we went we went a month, I think, uh, a wee while ago, with uh, very little news, and now we're rolling out three podcasts in a row, a weekly podcasts, because uh, things have certainly been interesting in May for Bristol Bears. Um, but first of all, I've got to say, um, in line with the club, we've decided to um, reduce our um, overheads by. 25 percent so uh, you'll notice there's no miles again um, so um, we're, we're doing our bit we've uh, we've uh, reduced miles from the uh, presenting lineup so um, well I I put on our Twitter feed earlier in the week Pete um, didn't see that signing coming the flying Fijian what what are your thoughts on that
1: well only um yeah, I think you you're probably a little bit disappointed with yourself because you you've been pretty good this season with um, you know predicting a few signings or or kind of finding the links and um, clearly it took you by um, surprise because you couldn't even really pronounce his name properly Because you were in the introduction. But
0: um, <laughs> nothing I mean, new there then. I wouldn't no, wanna just I wouldn't want to disappoint our um, listeners by uh, pronouncing something properly. Yeah. But you go on then, Sweat your pants. Yeah. You pronounce it.
1: Yeah, well, what well, Siva Nualago, um, anyway, yeah. I mean, to be honest, Tone, I'm like with you, it was a bit of a surprise, so I eagerly watched the um, the YouTube uh video, and I was uh, even more excited after I watched that. Um, him I mean, it was the fact that all of his tries seemed to be from behind our own line, <laughs> and then he would sort of accelerate through the defense, so yeah, I mean, he looks like a Looks like a, a fantastic player. And I think when you delve into the into the kind of report a little bit more it's obviously again not just about his his ability as a player and a finisher but Pat's kind of mentioned the whole thing about his um, his values and his, his determination and, and his willingness and humility to help those around him succeed so clearly Pat's uh, picked up what he thinks is another sort of another part of the jigsaw for next season um, so yeah really exciting stuff I think
0: Lee let me come to you the guy's um, 28 years old in the army currently never has never got picked up then by a professional club until now. Do you think? Do you think Pat's trying to unearth a little gem, maybe that uh, other people haven't seen?
2: Well, I think so. I mean, you know, Pat obviously he's got history with doing this this sort of thing, hasn't he? But you know, he's he's actually dubbed the tank on the flank. Did you know that, boys? No. And um, seven, seventeen tries in twenty-one appearances for for a whole. Um, and like Pete said, I don't know if you've seen the the, the clips of um, some of the tries that he scored. Wow, he looks very impressive to me. And I mean, I think it's a it's another. It's another caveat for me that obviously I think that Semi is going to play outside centre. I, I don't know what you boys think.
0: Yeah, I think lots lots of commentators, lots of fans are saying this this signing almost cements that really, that um, he'll play outside centre. We we talked right on the very first pod when we launched about the need to uh, maybe strengthen in the centres. I, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion, really. I don't know what you think, Pete.
1: Yeah, no, I think so. I think it's um, it, it's pretty much shown that, you know, when we think now what we've got potentially on the wing, um, people like Purdy, we've got uh, New Largo now, we've got uh, Alapati, um, you know, we've got you like Fricker still there in the background. I think, yeah, I think um, and Morahan, obviously, the Wizard of Oz. So yeah, I think it's 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 uh, it's pretty straightforward that you know big. Big uh, big Sammy's going to be. Uh, we have a big Sammy in the centre, and uh, big Seaver on the wing. So um, you know, we will hopefully. I mean, my only my only slight concern, and I'm you know just trying to kind of play devil's advocate. Um, you know, it, it, I know he, he has got a background in rugby union. He's coming from rugby league. Uh, you know, we there haven't always been successful crossovers, uh, and it isn't just. I mean, rugby league. You're in the game a lot more, and you know, when you're a winger, potentially. Uh, in rugby union, you're in and out of the game, you've got to keep concentrating, you've got to be as good in the sort of defence and under the high ball and all that sort of stuff. So there's a few more little skills um, as well, apart from just piling through the defence and scoring tries. But, you know, I've got absolute faith that the, the coaching staff will, will will obviously know all this and have looked at this and thought about it um so yeah look, looking forward to to see him, see him on the wing and semi in the centre i reckon
0: yeah i mean he's got quite yeah. a record isn't he for playing rugby union sevens as well but again yeah. Quite a, um, a difference in concentration and uh, what you need to be able to do to be a successful 15s player. Um, I think the interesting thing is he, he's going to stay in the army because he's uh, we've signed him on a two-year contract, but he's going to have extended leave from the Yorkshire Regiment. So um, again, you you would imagine we're not paying big money for um, for him to come here. And uh, well, fingers crossed. Let's let's hope it uh, it works.
1: I just wanted. To point Point one thing out. Um, his commanding officer um, was quoted in the uh, in the, the report about him having a uh, Yorkshire regiment. Um, professionalism, teamwork and sporting excellence have always been central to the ethos of the Yorkshire res- reg- regiment. And his, uh, it's great pleasure and huge pride to see Private Seba New Welcome to Bristol Bears. And his commanding officer was called Lieutenant Colonel Badger Miller. And I thought, oh, not badger! You, you can't get a better endorsement than uh, than being endorsed by Lieutenant
0: Colonel Badger Miller, can you? Well, 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 there we are. Well, there we are. Well, let's move on because there's lots of lots of announcements, lots of news around the club this week. And we had the announcement that senior contracts have been handed to three of the integrated uh, academy players. So, uh, big congratulations to Will Capon, Charlie Powell, and James. Done. Now let me come to Lee first. I think probably no surprises about Will Capon getting a, a senior contract.
2: No, I think it was that was set in stone really. I mean, he's he made what sixteen appearances um, this season, five tries. And he's looked pretty solid, hasn't he, to be fair? I know, but, you know, when we had Mark Newell on the pod, and he was saying he's, you know, he, just how solid he is, and he's been um, a commanding figure, I think, for for someone so young. And I think, yeah, I totally agree. It was, um, that was always on the cards. Um, obviously, with, with James Dunn and Charlie Powell, I don't, you know, the jury's still out slightly because we haven't uh, seen enough of both of them, really. Um, but certainly we'll keep on I mean if, if um injury is still kind of if there's any doubt about that then I think we'd all be agreed we'll keep on would be um, a more uh, more than capable standing don't you
0: yeah Pete, 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 Pete your thoughts yeah, definitely. I mean, he's
1: not only has he performed, you know, to the, the standards that you'd expect in the premiership. And, and I think back to that game against Exeter when he came on and, we, you know, we, we did, we called it the uh, the Cape on special, you know, mm-hmm. first pretty much throw in we'd ever seen him. He goes to the back of the line out and we have the rolling mall and win the game. And I think that from that moment on, you know, he cemented his, his credentials um, yeah, I mean, he scored a few tries as well. I mean, he's uh, he's uh, and in the loose, he looked really good. No, he, he he's got everything. Um, and as you say, it was only you know. I think they're probably just waiting until he was uh, old enough. I think it's twenty, isn't it? And uh, get that contract signed as quick as possible. And I I don't think we got any concerns about him performing. Uh, if if uh, if Thacker or, or the um, the guy from Leinster, obviously there as well, in the mix, you know, I think it's a great little combination of hookers we've got now. And then with regards to the other two, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got to bring lads up, haven't you? I mean, you know, we, we saw Charlie Powell, I think, early in the season. He looked good he scored a few tries he he looks like he's uh, he's fast you know he's obviously he's, he's intelligent um he's he's clearly got what it takes uh, so they believe and and you uh, hopefully we'll see a bit more of them and perhaps they won't have quite the kind of the uh the stellar kind of um not what I'm trying to say get the set the sort of the steeper learning curve, as it were
0: but you know we'll hopefully we'll see them next Season at some point, okay. Um, and then we had news six new people coming into the integrated academy. So, this is their first professional contract, but not senior contracts. Many from um, the very successful under 18s uh, team from this season. So, fly half Tom Wilstead, um, winger Dago Bailey, prop Andrew Turner, center Harry Asher. Um, Ashel, thank you. Uh, and they've all come through the uh, academy system, but we've also signed um, winger Freddie Owsley and back row Fitz Harding. Um, now, I've got to be honest, I don't know a great deal about these, these boys. I think, Pete, you might... Um, do you know one or two?
1: Well, I know that if you remember right back to the beginning of the season in one, almost the first game... Um, Harry Ashel played for Bristol. It was an away game and it was, he was in a, he's at Clifton College or something still. And he was in a, like an accountancy and finance or business studies and economics lesson in the morning and then got on the coach in the afternoon and, and drove to, and played in the game. Um, and I remember Pat kind of talking about that and saying, you know, it was, it was quite amusing. So yeah, he, he made, he, he was obviously on the radar very early on in the season, um, uh, I, I do have it on good authority that his name is Tony Harry Ashall. Uh, I have my sources of uh, uh, who have told me uh, that that's how you pronounce his name, and, and by all accounts, he's a he's a very nice lad. So you know, it, we'll we'll find out. I mean, it's a it's it's a, you know it's a great it's a great thing for those boys. And the other one that I do know a little bit about um, secondhand is Freddie Owsley, His sister. Lily Owsley is a GB hockey player and won the um, won the gold medal in the uh, Olympics when the women – and actually, if anyone's interested, which I'm sure they're not, his mum actually taught me when I was doing my PGCE, when I was training to be a teacher in Bristol, I did a little extra games section, and his mum was my uh, tutor. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I believe – I understand that he actually went to America to try to be uh, – um to, to be an athlete actually like a, a sprinter um so he's very fast and it didn't really t- turn out and he's come back to, to Bristol and kind of jumped into the got into the kind of Bristol setup, and has obviously shown a lot of ability very very quickly and has suddenly ended up with a contract so yeah I think he sounds like yeah is, is, this the,
2: is this the guy who scored a, a hat-trick against the yeah, yeah, uh, Falcons in the yeah. last years? yeah yeah, yeah.
1: That, yeah, he's the guy that um, on his first on his debut. Yeah, because he was on. Um, I'm sure Tony will allow me to mention the great uh, Jeff Twentiman. Um He was actually on the scrum. I remember him on there sometime this season talking mm. about his his uh, his hat trick. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Lee. I forgot about that. So I think it was for um, Clifton Rugby Club. That was it. He came back and he started playing for Clifton and he scored a hat trick on his debut. And obviously, has then kind of got linked into Bristol as well. So. Yeah, I mean, let's hope that trajectory carries on in that way.
2: Lots of potential for the future, Tony.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's a great thing. We're going to talk about the big money, the salary caps and the marquee players in a minute. But any club that is going to be successful long-term has to have a successful academy. We we hope that uh, you know these six that have come now into the integrated academy, um, hopefully we'll see some of them in and around the first team squad in uh, the not too distant future. And also something that was uh, announced is the academy scholars now this is something new for this season so they're not actually professional rugby players as the integrated academy where they have their their first professional contracts but it is I think partly training at a high level and being involved with um, first team coaches but also part of the, um, the academy scholarship is that uh, they continue with education and uh, work opportunities now um Lee, I, I could come to you, but I, I think we should uh, test the understanding of our resident education expert uh, and correspondent. I agree,
2: Tony. Pete. Let's bow down to the superior knowledge of Pete. Uh,
0: absolutely. Oh, I bet he's all over this like a rash. He knows well, this just, like, <laughs> inside <laughs> yeah. out.
1: Obviously, I've 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 analysed this uh, scheme from top to bottom, and uh, essentially, it seems like it's a kind of work experience stroke, kind of mentoring type. uh, I mean, brilliant idea. It's it's as much as anything. It's a. It seems like a good two way process. You know, identify some some young lads from around the area who've got potential, um, throw them into a training session with big John Afoa, Nathan Hughes, um, <laughs> and see what happens and, uh, if they still manage to, uh, you know, if they get up and carry on walking with a smile on their face. Then uh, you know you know they've got some potential. But yeah, I mean I think it's a it's part of this whole. It's fantastic actually. It's part of this whole vision that the club have got of kind of aligning everything from top to bottom or bottom to top, um, and and not just testing guys on on their skill and their their ability, but on their kind of attitude. And obviously, I imagine these guys are going to be you know the boys will be having a look at them at the way they uh, present themselves, the way they kind of interact. As well as their rugby skills, and, and obviously, um, you know, it's it, whether, whether or not these guys ever end up being professional rugby players. They're going to be learning some amazing sort of life skills as well, um, and hopefully, just you know, as Pat says, he wants to make players better people and better men and women, I guess, because it's all aligned. Um, that rather than just rugby players, so it, it just seems part of the kind of continuum of of our whole. Um, Sort of, uh, well, almost like cradle to grave. (laughs) Yeah, ethos. Mm. I
0: like it. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like a great scheme to me. Yeah. So should give them a name check. So the six are Benji uh, Jocelyn, Shay Mullins, Harry Rousson, Charlie Rice, George Perry, and Aaron Thompson. So we uh, wish you every success with your scholarships. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout and many more platforms. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rating for the show. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate podcast. Page. Right, more Bristol rugby news then. Uh, I think it was Monday. We're recording this as normal um, on a Sunday evening, but uh, last Monday, Steve Lansdowne published an open letter, which uh, after uh, the, the big report the week before, um, he's come out and said. He is in favour of keeping the salary cap where it is and also in favour of keeping marquee signings. So first of all, reactions to that. Uh, Let me come to Lee first. How does that make you feel? Are you... You proud that Bristol um, are ambitious and want to try and maintain the, uh, the the big show that is the Gallagher Premiership, or uh, any concerns that maybe we're starting to uh, stand out from the rest as the big moneyed club uh, in this league
2: well i mean there's there's all that's always going to be thrown at us i mean you know it, it we've had this for the last couple of years just because we we have well, we're lucky enough to have steven down on board but I, I actually agree with him i think that you know the marquee signings we should we should keep um, premiership is the best level for you know i'm obviously I'm biased but it's the best rugby um, you know in europe and um, I mean, we've got to counterbalance that as well. That actually, even though we do have the the big owner, um, but everything we do, we do on a sensible. We we run a sensible ship. Um, so even though we're going to still have those people throwing throwing muck at us, uh, I, I think that, that Bristol are doing things that uh, you know generally the right way. I don't know what Pete thinks about this. I don't know if he's going to disagree with me on this one or not, but. No, I, I'm, I agree with you, Lee. I, I, think, I think the interesting
1: thing about this is um, it's not just... I think Lansdowne's obviously talking about Bristol, but I think he's also talking about rugby generally. And I think that he's basically... You know, he's saying that you know, rugby has is, is always been in a parlour situation. You know, we are, it's a minority sport relative to football. But with the right sort of innovation, the right vision, the right kind of mix... Bristol have proven that you can you can grow the game you know and he's he's quoted things like you know we've 33% increase in attendance to 17,900 42% increase in supporters so you know if you suddenly go back into your kind of shell in a time of struggle and nobody's nobody's kind of disregarding the fact that it's going to be a difficult time but if you if you kind of retreat in the face of like something like this, a, a game like rugby could, it could seriously put it back a few years. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, what he's trying to say, uh, I think, is that you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong in adversity. And, you know, if you just sack the marquee players, um, we will lose. They will lose. We will lose people to go and watch the game. I think it's inevitable. It's, it's, a, it's a fragile balance that we've got. Um, and if you, you know, if you, if you shrink the game then you're going to lose support. And we go back to a time where it just becomes... And none of us want that. You know, I think we've been so buoyed this season by, you know, more numbers coming to some of those big games. You know, 20s, actually 26. And I think, you know, it'll, it'll all shake itself out. But I think if you if you stick by the principle that you've got to be bold in difficult times, then, you know, and then, then so I'm kind of with him on that. I mean, how it all works it's, out financially, I don't
2: know, but we'll find out. You know, we've, I mean, we've, we've met a lot of people at the gate this season, you know, doing the pod. I mean, we've had the guys from um, uh, Edinburgh, didn't we? That had come down. Uh, they were looking forward to seeing Pietau and Tour play. Uh, we've had obviously the Spanish rugby club that had come over We've had the the Stad Boys, obviously that was for the game, but you know, we've we've met a lot of people this season that actually come to see these marquee sign-ins. So, you know, it's it's only gonna be for the for the, the greater good of the game, isn't it? That we have them here. I think the short. other I think the thing we've
1: got going for us is people look at Bristol and think, Oh, you've just got a sugar daddy as an owner. People that don't, you know, rightly so, perhaps don't understand what's going on. we got to you know, in a way, we have been the test case for the way rugby should be run and the vision of club clubs because basically we were broke and on our knees when Lansdowne built so we started from scratch not that long ago And he moved us to a new stadium, um, he started building, put a strategy in place, and then, you know, had a vision. Then he, you know, it didn't quite work, so he brought in Pat Lamb and they had a vision, and, and he's categorically stated, and so has Pat Lamb, that we are not spending over, our, over the salary cap. You know, we have a vision that makes us, you know, we are aiming for sustainability. So we've proven in some ways that with the right conditions, it is possible, it's a, it's a template for how a clean... Rugby clubs should run, and in some ways, we aren't as tainted, perhaps, by some of the stuff in the miners' report that came out about the kind of shady deals and stuff like that that've been going on over the years. And in a way, it's a kind of clarion call to clubs: say, look, this is an opportunity to sort of, you know, is to clear the decks, get a few good jibs up, and uh, and and start, but be bold with it and, and grow the game because you know that's sustainability, not 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 cowering and moaning and stuff like that. So what do you think, Tony? We haven't let you talk, have
0: we? Well, you haven't. I've just gone out, made a drink, and come back in.
1: Um,
0: well, I think it's interesting. I mean, if I play devil's advocate, you know, we we are in this terrible time of COVID nineteen. Um, lots of clubs uh, are going to struggle in the Premiership, um, but we've got someone worth close to one and a half billion that can pour money in. And you're right, we 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 play to the same salary cap as everybody else, but. You know, if you believe the reports, um, Tau and Radrada next season, their salary is going to be somewhere in the region of £1.75 million. Now, you think you add that stardust to any team um, and it, it is going to make a difference. But
1: isn't, isn't in a way, isn't that the point? Is that, OK, we're lucky we could do that, but we do. We, if we can do it, let's do it. Because it's for the good of the, the premiership. It's the, for the good of other yeah. fans... They will want to come and see those players, hey, and like hey. a Gloucester fan, and deep down in their heart, they'll come to the gate and think, "My God, you know." And if we are, we have the ability to do that. Then we've almost got like a duty to do the best we can for. English rugby um, now it may be that the next time we have a contract for a, a marquee player it's not we're not we're not going to be offering that sort of money but you know we've got to you throw in the mix of the, of the training ground and Pat's vision and all this sort of stuff we may end up getting some you know some some amazing players on slightly lower salaries in the future I, I don't know but I, I, I what you're saying Tony, I totally understand, but if we have got the ability to do it, it's almost like we 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 almost got a duty to try and do it for, for everybody.
0: sake. I, I don't think yeah. Steve Lansdowne's doing it for the good of the premiership. He's 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 doing it to make Bristol the the, the most competitive yeah. club it can be. And if there's a byproduct that you know it but, improves the, the overall standard of the game, let's let's not forget this is a hardened businessman, and you know, don't get me wrong. What Steve Lansdowne's done for this club is incredible, but I worry a little bit that we'll become like the man city of the football premiership where um, people just look at us and say you know they've just bought their success but I think the difference between football and rugby is there is the salary cap um so Putting the marquee aside, where you could spend you could you could double the salary cap on two players if you wanted to, but the rest of the squad has got to work within that uh seven million salary cap so uh, it's interesting because you've talked a bit about sustainability and one of the, inter- the the things in Lord minor's report was about the premiership losses so um yeah. for the years twenty seventeen yeah. and twenty eighteen yeah. that were in that report, you know we lost as a club twelve point four million pounds so 5.2 in 2017. That went up to 7.2 in 2018. So we're, we're a long way from being sustainable at the moment. Uh, out of interest, obviously Exeter were the only club that made a profit, and that really is the model I think that that, that uh-huh. people should look at. But what were the two clubs that made bigger losses than Bristol one. in 2017, 2018? All right, you, you
2: think Worcester Warriors?
0: Yeah. Who's the other one?
2: I know, but I'll give Lee a go. I'm going to go for Sal.
0: No. Go on then,
1: Pete. I say I know. I've completely got a mind blank. Hang on, Worcester Warriors. I read it. I see it. I could see the report. Um, It was, Tony. It was... who was it now? It was
0: Bath, wasn't it? You are wrong. Um, yeah, it, I know I was wrong. I knew it as
1: soon as I said it. But
0: the fans want me to say it, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, wasps. So Wasps in that That's period true. lost 14.4 million, Worcester 13.8 million, and Bristol 12.4 million. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, mean, now, I th- None of us
2: none of us are saying that obviously this doesn't need to be looked at and you know reforms do need to be uh, made throughout the game but how we get to that point definitely everything needs to be looked at but the marquee players for me I, I agree with Lansdowne we keep them and as Pete said we, if we can do it and it's all you know by the book then absolutely fine why, why not why, why wouldn't you do it well, it's, I mean I, could... isn't, I mean, I assume that part of our
1: plan. Is that we reverse that over the next five years, as it were, um, by growing the game in Bristol, by and you know by getting the the, the attendances up, by sorting out finally the merchandise. So I guess what Lansdowne's saying is that like you know that's our plan. We just because there's a bit of COVID come along, we can't stop doing that because if we if we stop doing that, then you know we're we're we're, we're in our tracks. I mean it's it. I mean I, I guess it's it's a speculative type of business plan is that. You know, you 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 pay off your, you know, you reverse your debts or you're overspending by growth in the future.
2: So I guess it's. Uh, Let's well, it's, I mean, face it's worked with City as well, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, mean the, the the academy players that have come through at City that they've sold at a profit. It's um, funny. Numerous players.
0: Just to to bring this discussion on a little yeah. bit, in today's rugby paper, uh, Mark Tainton is allegedly said that. Um, we should ring fence now um, and um, this is all still part of the the salary cup and marquee player kind of discussion but saying um, you know some clubs are going to suffer more than others there are clubs that maybe haven't got benefactors with such deep pockets so if you took relegation out of the equation um, it would allow these clubs to to be able to operate on a a lower wage bill for two or three years until they can build themselves up. Um, So, again, let me come to both of you. Let me come to um, Lee first. Can you see the sense now or is there a greater argument for ring fencing to protect and in the long term, grow and flourish um, professional rugby in the Premiership? Or, you know, is this something you're still still against?
2: As as you know, I mean, I've been against it right from the off, just, you know, just because of the, you know, I think any professional team uh, needs to have a promotional relegation to go for. But I will say that, uh, you know, throughout this season, obviously with the Saracens being, I mean, I... I, I haven't read the, the um the article in in the paper today but i can see where Mark is coming from i think that if we it, you know it's like we we said before if you get rid of the relegation for you know for a couple of years um it does give teams time to build and i, and I think it's a good check i do i really do now and i i, I, I throughout this season i i've, I've Come to terms with actually the fact that the ring fencing for me really should be brought in now, personally.
0: Um, and Pete, what are your thoughts? Well,
1: well, when Lee started answering, I I was about to disagree with him, mm. <laughs> but he's kind of he's kind of changed his position as, as far as and I and I now agree. I, I think it's without having read it in detail again, but thinking about it, I think it is a good point because the problem is how can you plan for sustainability if there's the spectre of you might drop out of the and you're not just dropping out you're dropping massively out to go down into yeah. the championship and actually i think that the problem is is that people forget that they base their idea on relegation and promotion on a on football and actually don't yeah. look at the, the actual context now i agree with you point is is that i think now at this point where we've really got to get things sorted if those clubs want to we want to build sustainability if you can have a plan that doesn't involve potential failure because you know that if you get relegated out of the premiership that's it bristol project we had it once i don't think you know if we got we were thinking earlier this season if we got relegated again It would be almost inconceivable to imagine us going down with all of the stuff that's in place. And if that's how we think, then we don't want that risk. And why should all the other clubs have that risk? When, uh, yeah, the argument being it's not the same as football. So why can't it be different? Why can't we grow the game so that it's exciting for people to go watch and so that fans want to go, fans I'll go in there to see positive attacking rugby when you're playing to win rather than playing to not lose in the second half of the season. I, I, I think. Um, the,
0: I, I was going to say, I think, you know, we, we probably all come, come round to that. I mean, I, I've always been quite supportive of it. I think the one sticking point that's going to be for me for next season um, is, is Saracens.
1: You yeah, know, I mean, I think reality is they'd have to bring him back in at some point, and you know they're part of the mix; they're one of the stakeholders of Premier Rugby, so they'd have yeah. to be in it.
0: So you I mean, know, do, just, hang like on, hang second. on a minute, Pete. Like, do yeah, do, do do you start if 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 we ring fence with those thirteen clubs? Um, do you carry over some kind of penalty for Saracens for next season? Because clearly um, the penalty uh, for this season was relegation. If ring fencing does happen and they're one of 13 clubs playing in the top flight next season, you know, have they got away with it?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think that you've got to draw a line somewhere, haven't you? Um, and and like Pete said, Sarries will be back up and they will be. Uh, part of the mix and you know I don't think you know we've slated Saris obviously rightly so but I think you know at the end of the day it does it makes total sense to get the, the, the 13 teams in if we are going to ring fence get the 13 teams in and I don't think there's any point in, in messing around with it anymore. To to be perfectly honest with you,
0: um, and Pete, you know we've got um, um, Mallians and Ben Earl. What 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 would happen there? Do you think if all of a sudden Saracens are part of a thirteen-team Premiership next season? Well,
1: I, I don't. I don't think they, it would happen next season. I think that perhaps would be a bit too radical. I think I think perhaps it would have to go on the assumption that they'll get promoted. Probability is that they are. And it's almost as if you're saying, you know, to all the clubs that are currently in the premiership, you know, ring fencing is going to come in following season. So, you know, you're safe.
0: No, no, no relegation then. And we're expanding no the premiership.
1: And I mean, if you were then people, you know, what if Saracens don't win? <laughs> what do you do then? Yes, that is a problem. Um, I don't know is the answer. But I would I, I just think that if you said to all of these clubs now, that are on their knees some of them financially but you said to them look you've got a clean slate for the next season you know you're not going to worry about um, relegation so what we want you to do as a club to be good of you know to do it for your local area but to do it for us is plan for good for success then maybe that would help them plan out of this crisis um, so I don't know it's I, I, yeah I don't quite know how it would work you just have to hope. The Saracens do get promoted, but if they didn't, then obviously that's going to be a big can of worms, but I'm sure
2: that would well, be the basis. We've got of another couple of I read somewhere as well, because we've got a, another couple of the championship teams now, which are going to be, they, they're going to go semi-professional. I think Nottingham was one, wasn't it? Um, I, I can't remember the uh, others.
0: It's, um, it's London Scottish. Both have said that they're, um, they're not going to have professional um, contracts with players. They'll, they'll just get paid match fees. Um, so when you think are going to be semi-pro, are more going to follow? It, it, it does feel that we have come to a tipping point in uh, rugby in in this country yeah. now, where actually we probably can only sustain one um, fully professional league.
1: I think it's got to be done. It's, it's got to be done for the good of what the, the good of the good we have, the professional we have, and you know it it just doesn't make even it makes even less, this whole crisis has kind of has made a lot of things in life seem that we took for granted and kind of didn't really think about that much seem really stupid now, like going to work, for example, um, for some of us. And you know, you think, well actually no, I could work from home. You know, there's things. And it seems to me that actually now relegation to the championship looks even more stupid in the context of what we're at. Yeah. It's it's agreed. It's a it's a good opportunity for to sort of reboot a lot of things and actually say, you know what, let's let's do what we've been mulling over for ages. Like, you know, everything has changed. So I, I'd be interested to see how that goes, really, with the... With Mark putting that in the paper and see what
0: happens. Well, let's let's move along because there's uh, there a two or three other things I just want to quickly touch on uh, to to round up tonight's show. Uh, first one is um, I'm sure you've seen it that Ashton Gate is in the running. If we can restart the Gallagher Premiership, it looks like games are going to be played behind closed doors in one, two, or possibly only three venues, and uh, there is even a chance that all games ma- might be played in one venue. So, Lee, I'm going to come to you. Should Ashton Gate, I don't know, have 50% of the games or even all the games? Surely that's a huge advantage for, for Bristol.
2: Well, it is. But, I mean, if we're, if we're talking, obviously, about getting these games played and the season finished, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, the Ashton Gate meets all the criteria that they're asking for. There's enough space there for the medical facilities. Obviously, the pitch is, well, we know is a fantastic pitch at Ashton Gate. The opposite of the rec, I, I would uh, hasten to add. Um, and it can play a series of matches in a weekend. Um, so, yeah, why why not? Why not Ashton Gate? I mean, it wouldn't be as as costly as uh, Twickenham, for instance. And obviously, it's still being used at the moment by the NHS, isn't it? So I think that's, you know, one of the, the stadiums that was being banded about. Yeah, wh- why not Ashton Gate? It's... It's down the road, I mean, there, there is one caveat to that, though. Is is what happens if obviously if City season, uh, Bristol City season kicks off again, then that does put a massive spanner in the works, really, for the rugby. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it, it could be done, and obviously, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, what you think, Tony, or Pete, about what other venues could be used, but I mean, Aston Gate has got to be very near the top of the list
0: surely You you would think so because they're going to need a reasonably sized stadium to be able to accommodate all the players and officials that you know you're going to be playing probably two possibly three games um, during a day so you need the pitch like we've got that could um, take that kind of uh, use. There's good media facilities that are all you know new with the new stadium but I, I don't know if, if I was Sale or Exeter and knowing that Bristol were going to play I don't know half or all their games on their own pitch Um, does that give you a competitive advantage advantage,
1: Pete? Obviously they're going to say that but but when you think about what actually does it, what gives you that competitive advantage on it, it's having a stadium full of fans who are all going Mm -hmm. Bristol when you run out and are cheering when you're doing well um, and you're kind of feeling comfortable because you're driving into your little parking space and you're bantering with the lads before you go in the change room. It's going to be none of that, is it? It's all going to be like, you know, regimented. It's going to be weird for everybody, as well as Bristol players, as well as Sale players, as well. And I suspect that it won't feel very much like playing at home to um, to some Bristol players because, it, you know, I'm sure that, I mean, there's a lot of research on like, why, why does home advantage work? And it's not just about fans. It's about kind of, you're feeling comfortable. It's like, you're not traveling. I suppose you're not traveling too far to get to, to the ground. You're not tra- traveling on a coach overnight or on the daytime. But I assume that if they did this sort of thing, somehow the teams would be located in the area so I do wonder whether that it would be as minimal, you know, it would minimise the home effect and would, then it would you, essentially be man
2: against man on a, on a pitch that can take it. You could even flip it on his head and say it could be actually uh, disadvantage the Bristol players, because they're used to, to running out, like Pete said, and, and having the crowd behind them, and they won't yeah, have that. Yeah. It's going to be more comfortable for like the, all the other teams because they're used to it. Yeah. yeah. So coming out into yeah. silence when they run out. Yeah. And they, and more importantly, we get the games played. I mean, that's yeah. that's got to be the be, in, be all end or just get the season finished.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and there's still there's still lots lots and ifs and buts on that, and we've talked about that quite a bit in the past. So let's let's not go back to that. A couple of things: um, the Rugby Pod, um, uh, a very good weekly podcast. Um, uh, with a very big listenership. And Pat Lamb was interviewed this week. And uh, probably having listened to, to part of the interview, I think, Pete, you might have, have listened to it yeah, as well. A- there, there were no revelations, really. But from, from a Bristol point of view, I think what... What has really made me happy is so many people on social media saying what a great leader that Pat Lamb is and how well set up Bristol are kind of off the pitch and the, the philosophy here.
1: I mean, I, the revelation to me was that there were so many people that thought it was a revelation. And yeah. even like Jim Hamilton and, and Andy Good who do the podcast. Kind of seemed a bit surprised about it, and I thought, well, hang on, you boys, are, you know, you must have known this. They were doing this for effect. But I mean, even Andy Good said that he'd give up chocolate for Pat Lamb. Wow, and, uh, that's, <laughs> that's saying gonna, something. That's saying something as well. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was, he, he, he was, he was basically talking what the, the stuff he's been talking about ever since we went to that Q or you went to that Q and A when he first joined. So he's just saying, you know, it's all about vision, it's it's leadership and vision starts and then you get, you know, leadership and you get culture and, you know, you're coachable and all this, you know, all the stuff that we, and he said, you know, he talked about the same thing about when the COVID crisis came on, he had his, he put his plan together, they had about four or five plans for different scenarios and they're all, it was, it was just, it was the same old stuff, but yeah, I was actually quite surprised that a lot of people were surprised really, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and and it, it's it's great to see that the the, the uh, positive comments that were coming from from rugby neutrals about Pat yeah. and uh, and yeah. Bristol. And finally, then for a, a bit of fun, um, it's been announced uh, in the past few days that. The uh, Winterstoke Road car park at Ashton Gate is going to host a drive-in cinema for, I think, a couple of weekends, one in July and one in August. So um, I'll come to Lee first, maybe. Lee, are, are you going to be uh, there in your car um, behind BM and and Kentucky Fried Chicken? Um, and if so, um, what films would you like to see down at the gate?
2: Well, I... I... In theory, I love it. I spoke to my two girls about it and um, I'm not quite sure i they'll do it because the car park's not the biggest in the world, is it? But um, I, yeah, I think it's a great idea and I, I would love to take the girls down and maybe watch a little bit of um, Carry On Up the Khyber, maybe.
0: <laughs> and Pete, what about you? Can you see yourself bringing the, uh, the, the Pete-mobile round to um, yeah. Ashton Gate?
1: I could see rolling up with a convertible getting the roof down and having a good, old, a good old musical, maybe high school musical tone, maybe La La Land, oh, you know, a, a lovely little sing-along, maybe The Greatest Showman, uh, something like that. But, of course, talking about the car park size, poor old Miles, I mean, he won't have a chance getting there. You'll never get a Bentley in one of those car park spaces, would you?
2: Especially if you've got to be two metres apart for the whole thing as well.
0: Well I, He's sh-
2: still got the Bentley, though. I, I, I thought he had a, a Hummer. I thought he changed it well yeah yeah he was
1: was trying to get a bit hard his image he's hardening up his image a bit wasn't he he's trying to go a bit
0: hardcore but he'd he'd get his driver to to park it there probably the day before so it's right at the front and nobody could see over the the hammer could they
2: covering two spaces no doubt
0: (laughs) so uh that that would be interesting for me maybe um well if it was a rugby theme um It's it's that I forget the name of the film. It's a a kind of documentary about England winning the World Cup in 2003. And um, I was actually traveling and I still haven't seen the 2003 um, Rugby World Cup final. So um, that would be that would be the one for me. something Jerusalem isn't it yeah that's right that's right I've seen the drop goal many a time but um yeah I I was in a part of the world where there was absolutely no chance of seeing the game live (laughs) so boys thank you very much um for your company tonight lots of news and views to uh, catch up on this week that's it for now uh as we say every week during the coronavirus When there is news uh, around Bristol Rugby, we'll be doing a podcast to bring that to you. But for now, thank you to everybody that listens. Stay safe and we'll speak to you soon.
2: Bye bye. See you soon. Thanks.